You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. If Danny Mendick isn't playing second base every day with Tim Anderson at shortstop, this team is going nowhere because it shows that they don't get what we all get. Now, I'm not worried about that. I think that that's what's going to happen. Uh, Even if it doesn't happen every night, it's going to happen six out of every seven. But this is a big series coming up here because what we're talking about is a seven-game homestand where if you go five and two, you know, if you win, if you take three out of four and you take two out of three, you are now above 500, ready to rock, full speed ahead, let's go. Because I was encouraged by by winning four out of six on the road. There's still time. There's still the second half of the season coming up. But you got to right the ship before the second half of the season. The idea that a team comes out after the All-Star break and is just, you know, turns it on and that's when the magic happens, usually this is when you see the signs of life, right? They're going into it. They figured some stuff out. Guys who are underperforming are, are gone. Guys who are going to be able to be capable of, of picking up their game and turning it around are starting to show the signs. Some of the underlying numbers start coming around, even though their slash lines might look terrible or, you know, they, they might have, uh, you know, still a clunker game here or there as a pitcher. But this is this is important for the White Sox because you're, you're still a team in flux. You still have this hole at second base, and you're right. If it's not Danny Mendick who is playing very well, and I'm not saying that Danny Mendick is better than Josh Harrison historically or is even really been better than Larry Garcia in the past. But right now, Danny Mendick has figured something out. He's figured out how to play. He is the best glove of the middle infielders, and I'm including T.A. in that equation. I think Mendick, you know, is a more sure-handed guy than anybody else on the team this side of Moncada, maybe. If he's not in every day and if he gets sent down and it's not, say, Adam Hazley getting sent down, then, yeah, then you start to look at this team once again and go, okay, what are we doing? Right, exactly. This all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Every episode of Sacks in the Basement brought to you by the company named one of the South Towns best in 2021, and I would expect the Daily South Town to name them that as well. Again, for Boeing Walls, Window Wells, Foundation and Crack Repair, if you need to fix the concrete going up and down in the driveway, the sidewalk, the patio around the home, that's all a foundation issue. The idea is to keep water out of your home. They're family veteran-owned and operated since they began in 2013. Call them 24-7 and get money off if you mention Socks in the Basement. It's 708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. We have not gone to the voicemail box in a while here, and I want to do that on this episode. There's a lot of things that we can talk about with this team. Uh, I was I was happy with not only taking four of six on the road, but how they played against the Astros and the way after Friday night's debacle, they come back at, at Justin Verlander, who's been one of the best in all of baseball to this point. And then they had life on Sunday and they almost come up with a, a stolen game and a stolen series. There's life there. T.A. up at the top of the order. He comes back and he's hitting with this team doing what it's doing. There's even more life. I want to see two out of three against Toronto. This is a statement series here, kicking things off at home. And then you get the lowly Orioles take three out of four. You have to. And if somehow you only win one against Toronto, you better run through the Orioles like they're butter on a hot day. You need to start putting together 
big series wins, or if you're going to look at a homestand, couple games above 500 when you're sitting at home. They, they have to start doing that. And and I want to get to the uh, the first message that we have here. Remember, you can go to SoxInVasement.com. And there's a, there's a little microphone. You click on it. You can leave a voicemail. Uh, that is how you can leave us a message and tell us what's on your mind. We're going to go to the first one right now. They're going to get silly, Ed, but I, I'm going to start off with a solid one right here. Wait, wait, even sillier than the thought of you running through hot butter on a, on a hot day? Yes, even sillier than that. Hey, Sox in the Basement, guys. Happy Father's Day. Um, fantastic game by the Sox. Probably the best game that they played all year last night seven zip and how do you beat the astros you mix speeds um something that i hate to say didn't happen in the playoffs last year where it was fastball upon fastball so major hats off to johnny cueto and also sebi savala for calling a great game Sox hitters doing a fantastic job going middle out and hitting the ball opposite field um great to see and then the last thing and probably the coup de gras for the father's day was the bullet that vaughn hit that went right through altuve that was fantastic and then three uh unearned runs come in after that so great feeling and happy father's day awesome listen uh johnny cueto i think is the ace of the staff right now i i it's hard for you to argue with me on this he's only had seven games with the white Sox so far this year but he averages more innings per start than anybody else on the team. He's carrying around a whip of 1.102. He is the guy I rely on more than anybody out there. Because, look, Michael Kopech is dominating. Michael Kopech also is not even getting five innings on average when he's out there. He's averaging below five innings a start right now. All right. Uh, Dylan Cease is a great pitcher. And long-term, excellent, excellent starter for you. Johnny Cueto's just doing it so consistently at this point that if I had to trust one guy in one game at this very moment, I can't believe I'm saying it, but it's the guy that you you signed to a deal and sat in the minor leagues and waited till Dallas Keuchel shot himself in the foot to bring up here, and he's the best guy in your staff right now, Ed. By a mile and a half. I mean, it's not even a close thing, and you know, that caller was right, and I think you and I talked about it a whole bunch after the Astros series, after the playoff series, that... The Sox did a terrible job of not throwing another look at the Astros in each game, and their pitchers were all very, very much two-pitch guys through there, and Cueto does everything, and he was shimmying, and he was quick pitching, and he was throwing stuff in and out and up and down. And you can see the Astros were just befuddled by him. I mean, absolutely, more so than Jose Altuve letting the ball go through his legs. There was befuddlement, but... But Cueto, yeah, I mean, he's averaging six innings a start, which doesn't sound like much, uh, but that's an extremely important stat because the bullpen is rapidly falling apart if you're really paying attention to how things are going on the injured list and where guys are at and who's good and who's not. And it's really just, I, I I don't trust, I don't trust Lucas Giolito anymore, frankly. No. And Dylan, Dylan Cease is... Dylan Cease, you're right. Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech are potential future aces, but they're just they just haven't turned that corner yet. And Kopech is probably a year behind Cease in that regard. Do you think Giolito's like cooked? Do you think this is something that is just a bad stretch? Like I was looking at his day to day here, like his game log, and I mean, first of all, his overall stats are not what a starting pitcher should be. I mean he he's a fifth starter on any contending team at best. 
because I the amount of guys that he's putting on base that that I think is the first concern that I have is the fact that that Lucas Giolito is putting on almost a runner and a half. He's just a hair under a runner and a half per inning, and th- that's that's the first problem. The second problem is it just seems like his speed is down. And then you look at the last couple of games. I mean, what are we talking about here? Against Houston, he goes five innings and he he sees eight earned runs cross the plate. He gives up four runs over five innings against Texas. He gave up five runs only. Two of them were earned against Tampa Bay. It was only six innings that he pitched against them in uh, three starts ago. Going back into May, the start before the Tampa Bay one against Toronto, four and two-thirds and he gives up six earned runs. That That's not a guy that... That's not the Lucas Giolito I thought we had. Like, I hope they stopped running that commercial about how he turned it around in his career because it's going to look terrible running after one of his starts. Well, and more so to the point, too, it's not just that. The hit totals on his starts. So he's got hit totals in here of, you know, you give one hit in his first start against Detroit to start the season, but then he gave up four and four innings, seven hits in six innings, Three and five and two thirds, six and seven innings, seven and five innings, five and six innings, eight and four and two thirds. That was the Toronto start. Eight and six innings, six and five innings, seven and five innings. He's getting hit. I mean, that that's a lot of hits. And the and his strikeouts are he's got one double digit strikeout game. Remember, this is Giolito's thing, right? Is he's one of the strikeout, the premier strikeout guys in the majors as a starting pitcher. That's what his big turnaround was that he learned how to punch guys out. He's got one start where he struck out 10 players and that was against the Cubs. So that's, you know, it's not exactly a full major league lineup, although they also tagged him for three runs, including two homers that day. But more to the point, he's got starts where, and and lately he's got a couple Tampa Bay only struck out three guys in six innings. Uh, He only struck out three Astros. You know, he's at five, following up uh, the, the Cubs game against Cleveland in seven innings. Five strikeouts in seven innings is very, very un-Giolito-like from, you know, from the time that he turned it around. Yeah, and you read off those hit totals. I mean, I'll give you some. Six hits in five innings, eight hits in six innings, four hits in five innings. I'm not repeating your stats. I'm going over the last four or five starts of Dallas Keuchel. They sound the same. Yeah, they do sound very, very similar, don't they? One of the great new supporters of Socks in the Basement, Hyatt Home Medical Equipment, wants to help people stay independent and in their home. Let's say you or a loved one, a fall risk, have a hard time getting in and out of the bathtub. They can retrofit the tub. They can put hand railings around the bathroom. Now you're not worried about a fall. If I were the White Sox, I would have stuff like this all over Aloy Jimenez's home. There's a couple guys that probably need some gear from high at home medical equipment on this team. Let's say you have a loved one that's on oxygen and you want to get more than one tank. Insurance covers that. Now you're not lugging a tank up and down stairs and getting refills all the time. Now you're not worried because there's plenty of oxygen on hand. And if you're one of those out there using a CPAP machine, you should see the new technology out there. They have testing rooms on site, a big, beautiful showroom, and they're located right on the south side. From ramps that go into your home to simple diabetes care, get it all at Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. Stop into the showroom today and mention socks in the basement and you get a discount. 
Visit them at 3518 West 95th Street or check them out online right now at hhme.com. Now back to Giolito real quick as we're sitting here on a Monday afternoon before the Monday night game waiting to see who's going to be moved because Tim Anderson has to be added to the roster. We're only a couple hours away and Hans in front of the media saying they don't know what they're doing yet. Josh Harrison suddenly hitting over a very small sample size so he's going to be playing some second base. Danny Mendick's going to be playing a great deal of second base, and Larry Garcia is good everywhere. Oh no, what are they going to do? <laughs> but back to Giolito, one thing that we should be talking about, isn't Ethan Katz the White Sox pitching coach because of what he did with Lucas Giolito? Did I, did I forget yes. that? Am I misremembering that? He fixed Lucas Giolito and turned it into a, a Major League Baseball uh, pitching coach job. So if he's on the bench still, he's still the pitching coach, right? Get to work, Ethan. Like, this is your whole career right here. All right? If he goes, if he becomes bad again and you can't figure out what's going on with him when you intimately know him probably better than any other pitcher on your staff, then that's an indictment on him as well, I would think. Oh, yeah. If I were Ethan Katz, I'd be up late at night, just unable to sleep, pacing my house, trying to figure out what I'm going to do to fix Lucas Giolito. Because they are they are tied to each other, aren't they? Very much so, because that was you're right. That was the whole thing. It was it was Ethan Katz, and his approach helped Lucas Giolito find that ability to strike guys out. He helped him find using the high fastball, turning it off of the changeup, uh, ditching his curveball, using the slider as a little bit more of a put out, you know, an out pitch. And what you've got going on though is right now, his WHIP is 1.49. Last time he posted one that high was 2018. His average, batting average against is 277, and that is higher than the 250 he posted in 2018 when Giolito had the 6.13 ERA, when he was the worst starter in the majors based on, on the traditional stats. And he's also got Lucas right now sitting on 25 walks, which is almost as many as he gave up in all of 2020 in the truncated season in those 12 starts. But it's also just under half of what he gave up last year for all of 31 starts or, you know, what he gave up in, in 2019 and 29 starts. So something is obviously off with Giolito, and maybe it is a velocity issue. Maybe he's missing his spots. Maybe he's got a mechanical issue. But you're right. It, it's Ethan Katz has got to figure out if the pitches aren't as good as they have been, if the stuff is missing or if, if something's wrong there, then he's got to find a way to get him to get outs again. And if it's not a stuff issue, if it's a problem mechanically where Lucas is missing it, then that's what Katz did for him was he fixed his mechanics, made him more compact in, in his arm swing, made him more compact in how he went about the entire motion to give him better control and better command of everything. And he's got to get him back to that. And he's got to get him back to it in a hurry because you cannot have a team with maybe Lance Lynn parts of Michael Kopech, parts of Dylan Cease, and Johnny Cueto as your best pitcher and expect to make a deep playoff run in that scenario. I mean, for those of you still hoping for that Vince Velasquez breakout where he's going to become a Cy Young candidate, I wouldn't hold your breath too long. No, I, I Davis Martin is, uh, is the guy. I mean, if one of these guys got yeah. injured, that's the guy that should be in there every five days. He's the first guy I'm putting in my rotation. And I, I'll tell you another thing that I find really funny is that some of the better pitchers coming out of the pen right now, and I know people get annoyed because they have these 
preconceived notions about Reynaldo Lopez. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy with a 1.15 whip right now coming out of the bullpen. That's one of the best on, in your, on your entire staff. Okay, Jimmy Lambert, what a revelation. Just a great find this year. When you think about the amount of money that was spent and how much time they spent on their bullpen when they had other things they had to work on, and two of their best performers were already sitting there in Lopez and Lambert. Now, Joe Kelly, if you look at his overall stats, it looks bad. But really, his last five games, he's been very good. He had that, he had that one really bad Yankees game. Right. And that, it just Over eight games, you can't have any bad games and have good stats. What I, I decided I want to do next was get into just one caller that left three voicemails at 3 o'clock in the morning at SocksInTheBasement.com, Ed. Which is, which is honestly one of the best times to do it, really. <laughs> yeah, well, it is for us. So this first one is in reaction to, um, I want to say it was an article at Sox on 35th about uh, the possibility of acquiring Jazz Chisholm. Yeah, there was, a, there was an article about potential trades. Right. I don't think that we're going to be able to get him. I don't think no, we have. No, no, not no, even. I think I, that's the Marlins have no interest in trading him. Pie in the sky thing to go out and get him. But but I think it, it inspired one of these three calls at 3 a.m. from the same phone number that looks to be out of uh, someplace in Kentucky. Hey, White Sox and Basis Roy again. I've been hearing about this second baseman from Florida Marlins. Now, he looked pretty good, you know. He looked good. But is he is he that good? Is he just going to, like, you know, you make a trade for him and some prospects for him. Is he going to live up to his expectation or is that just you know he's good for a little bit and then turn around wash up you know what i'm saying do you think jazz chisholm would uh, live up to his uh explanation I, I, yeah, I think he meant expectations there, but I got expo- exposition maybe. He's got a 132 OPS plus and an 832 OPS this year. He's already he's already worth two and a half wins above replacement at this point in the season. That's going to continue to grow. He's 24 he years old. One of their, yeah, he was one of their top prospects. He's a huge part of of a trade that they made for Zach Gallen. Um, first of all, one like you said, pie in the sky. They're not giving up on this dude. If they did give up on him, here's here's a potential trade that I saw online. And the question was, would you trade Aloy Jimenez for Jazz Chisholm straight up? And I picked yes. Yeah. See, because what you have here, you got a second baseman that had 18 home runs last year in his first full season. He's got 13 so far. He's going to end up with 30 home runs this year playing second base. Young, exciting player that, you know, fixes your second base problem. Because the White Sox have way too many guys who, you know, hopefully hit well don't play defense very well. And our corner outfielders designated hitters are first baseman. Right, I mean they've got they've got an overabundance of those guys, right? And Jimenez, with all the injuries, yeah, I'd take that deal in a heartbeat. If you don't think that you would take that deal, you're never getting Jazz, right? And even if you're like, yeah, fine, let's trade Aloy, I don't think the Marlins want him. I think they know that Jazz is is a very valuable player. So yeah, I mean it was like a pie in the sky thing, but I don't think so, Ed. To answer the guy's question, is Jazz Chisholm the kind of guy that's not going to live up to expectations? No, I think he is a guy that's going to live up to expectations, and that's the problem for the White Sox is that they got to find someone who can live up to expectations for a couple of years who is either not a veteran that maybe has one more good season in the tank like Harrison didn't this year or is a guy that, like you said, is a bat first, can't field, can't handle the position, doesn't have anything dynamic beyond power. So Chisholm, I would like a Jazz Chisholm-like player. If we could do that. Is there is there such a thing out there? 
you know, if we could find if we could find Diet Jazz Chisholm, I think that would be okay. Isn't Danny Mendick Diet Jazz Chisholm right now? Like if he kept this up. If he keeps it up, yeah. I was at Hailstorm Brewing in Tinley Park twice between this show and the show before. That was not my original plan. Thursday night, went out there, did an interview for Southside Pod, another podcast here on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network, checked out the new menu, lots of fun. Then I hear about their 8th anniversary party going on on Saturday, and I happen to be out in the Tinley area for something else, and I look at my wife and I go, let's go get lunch and a couple of beers at Hailstorm, they're having a party. And it was a heck of a party. 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue in Tinley Park. Hailstorm Brewing Company with brand new, highly acclaimed brewer, Will Turner. He's been all over the place, and now he brings his decades of experience to Hailstorm Brewing. And they've got some really good ones that he's putting out right now, plus a lot of the old favorites. Check out their huge tap room, outdoor patio. Fire pit for chilly evenings, live music on the weekends, trivia nights, and all kinds of fun events. Check out their seasonal beers out right now, like the Primo Mexican Lager and the Big Beautiful Wheat. And I had a couple Morley's. Those things were selling like hotcakes. It's an American brown ale that is a hoppier take on an English brown ale. It celebrates Mokina, Orland, and Tinley. If you live out in that area or if you just like going to good breweries and traveling around, Get out the Hailstorm Brewing Company. Once again, 8060, 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. Follow them on Facebook at Hailstorm Brewing Co. And check out all they have to offer at hailstormbrewing.com. Hey, White Sox and Baseball again. You know what I was thinking about getting? He's in China right now, tearing it off the wall. And he's playing over in Cuba, too. You know who I'm talking about? Euclid's Puig. Man, he's so big, dude. I'm telling you, I'm telling y'all right now, White Sox Basin. Euclid's Puig is so big right now. He's in home runs, stealing bases. I bet Tony Relusa know who he is. He might. I don't know. But Euclid's Puig, he's playing over in, over across the league. And I'm going to tell you right now, he's tearing off the ball. Okay, so... First of all, I don't okay. know if that's uh, Yasiel Puig and uh, Kevin Euclid's uh, love child, Euclid's P- I, I, uh, Puig. I would hope so because I think about Yasiel Puig, <laughs> his power and 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 his bat with the Greek god of walks, plate discipline. Yeah, I mean, that's a Hall of Fame player right there. That's a hell of a hybrid. First of all, he's not playing in China; he's playing in Korea, very different places, especially because the Korean baseball league is South Korea. Uh, so very, very different places. Uh, and and right. secondly, he's not tearing anything up. He's hitting 232 in the KBO with a 721 OPS. All right. He's he's a replacement right. level KBO player. So and, and the White Sox players clearly don't like him. I think that's pretty obvious. He was out there in the wind. You got a team full of Cubans and they're like, not that Cuban. So <laughs> I just don't think that Yasiel Anybody but him is ever an option. And you just got to you got to move on from that. All right. I, I don't know if we need to say anything else about it. I, I know people are trying to fix the team. Look, I, Ed, maybe I'm crazy. This isn't about fixing the White Sox from outside. Yes, yeah, sure, there might be a deal made or a move made, but you aren't going to make enough changes this year. I mean, you could start changing some things on your team. We've talked about that. There's nothing wrong with making moves now that might pay off in a year or two and, and, and starting to kind of change the makeup of this team if you think that you need to do that. The White Sox don't seem to think that way at this point. I think what they're feeling is we're going to get healthy. 
We're, we're going we're gonna to work out some of these problems. We're going to go on a run. I don't know if that's going to work out for him or not, but that seems to be what the plan is. But I don't think that you're just going to have this magic bullet that's going to go out there and change this team into a team that's 10 games over 500 August 1st. I don't think that's happening. Well, from a position player standpoint, it's really unlikely. And and adding a, an outfielder uh, to this mix, I don't think helps because if you're going to add an outfielder back to the mix, you're going to add Aloy Jimenez back when he gets when he finally gets healthy. The other part of the problem is is that. It, if you're looking for a magic bullet, for example, it's probably going to come in the form of some sort of a relief pitcher and maybe another starter, right? That that would be the thing that if you're going to grab an outside player to come in and, and fix, quote-unquote, the team, that would be it, right? That It would be a starter who comes in and has a hot second half, 10 starts, you know, wins them all. Uh, or or someone who's going to come in and help stabilize the back end of the bullpen as everybody gets healthy and, and you don't have to rely, especially if it's a lefty, so you don't have to rely on Bummer and Tanner Banks for the rest of the year. That type of thing, yeah, I can I can see where that would make a difference, but going and, and adding, I, I mean, unless it is something like trading Aloy Jimenez for Jazz Chisholm, and again, we're not saying that that would ever, ever, ever happen, but unless it is something where you're going to trade somebody off this major league roster to fill a different hole that you're, that you're, you're trying to fill up. You're just not, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't even see what the trade is. And usually I can visualize like, Hey, you know, this team's scuffling. If they go out and get this guy off of there, it would solve this problem. And really, honestly, at this point, it's just, it's, it's such a mess that you kind of need to see what the real problems are and what's not. All right. Well, here we go. This was the last call, and I think at this point there was another, uh, there were another couple of uh, swigs of of good Kentucky bourbon taken before this one. But maybe this will fix the team. At this Ed. point, he might have been siphoning gas. <laughs> hey, White Sox and bases, Roy again. Um, what I would do, I go get Mike Trout, make a trade for Mike Trout, center field. Oh my God! I have um, uh, Jock Peterson, left or right field. What? What? I have. Andrew Vaughn in outfield. So it'd be Andrew Vaughn, Mike Trout, and Jock Peterson. Is he playing daily fantasy? And uh, second base would be Lewis Robert. I think you can move him from center to second base. I think he'd be a real good second baseman. Okay, we're done. Well, okay. <laughs> all right. You know, okay, I get, first of I get all, it. I'm on board it. with all of those plans, except for <laughs> I would swap Vaughn and Robert, obviously, because Robert's a much better outfielder than Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. Put and Vaughn at Vaughn second. Vaughn has I can one major that. league game at second base. Actually, it looks like Josh Harrison, the starting second baseman Monday night. Yoan Moncada gets put on the IL, and that's either because his hamstring is still bothering him or we don't know what to do with all these guys on the roster some of which have earned their role on the White Sox roster, and some of which have three-year, $16.5 million contracts and are only hitting 200 and don't do anything very good. You know, at some point, they're going to have to get rid of the bad players and play the good players all the time. I'm going to one, maybe two games in this homestand, and I want to see wins. In fact, the Tuesday night game against the Blue Jays, get out to Cork and Carry at the park pregame and postgame. I'm going to bring some socks into basement swag. Me and my father will be hanging out over there. It's a little just after Father's Day get together for the two of us. So we're going to go see a game. I want to see wins. It's time to turn it around right now.
the next four weeks of the season. You've got seven games at home, Blue Jays and Orioles. You go on the road out to the West Coast. You got the Angels for three and the Giants for three. And then you are home, three against the Twins, four against the Tigers, which will be hopefully at that point a nice little break to just clean up on the Tigers after you win a series against the Twins. You got the Guardians for four over three days because of a makeup game, and then four against the Twins. And those last eight games are all on the road in their place. And then the All-Star game. You are either going to be a team that has basically passed the Guardians at that point, right? Right. Like, if you're winning those games, you've passed the Guardians, you're in second place, and you're right behind the Twins, you've made a statement, and over those seven games that you played them, you at least won four and hopefully five. And you've made a statement, and you've worked your way into a position where you're multiple games over, and you're on their heels now, they're in first, you're in second, and it's a race at the All-Star game. Or you're right here where you're at right now, and it's over. That, that's it. It's four weeks on the whole season, in my opinion. Okay? At, at that point, I don't blame Rick Hahn for, for changing his entire plan. In fact, I would kind of want him to at that point. I would kind of want him to say, this didn't work, this sucks, and some of these guys are not part of my future, even though I thought they were. This is going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. And in the middle of it, you have a manager that's still got one more year on his contract next year, and you can't fire. Oh, yeah, that whole thing. Have we forgotten our chance, folks, just because they started beating up on the Tigers a little bit? Right. I mean, Uh, four weeks. This is the biggest four weeks of the season right here. This is the four weeks that fixes everything, rights the ship, and gets you going again, or the four weeks that when you're sitting at the end of it, you're watching the All-Star. Well, you're not even watching the All-Star game because you hate baseball at that point, and you're just waiting. You're listening to us to find out when they start making moves. Next four weeks, it's going to be all about drinking heavily, Hopefully running through things like hot butter on a hot on a hot summer day, and then after the All Star break, we might just tell you to switch to edibles and wait for the uh, wait for the, the <laughs> just wait for the deadline and see if Rick can pull anything off. No, that's not going to happen. We're going to turn it around right here. This is it. It starts now. Go socks. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.